Thanks for joining us on the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show. We're excited to have Edward Shandorovich, the co-founder and CEO of Synonym Biotechnologies, on the show today. Before Synonym, Edward was the executive chairman and co-founder of Nodal, a leading flexible office company acquired by Newmark, founding and managing partner of Kite Ventures, a global venture investment company, and founding executive of SUP Media where he oversaw the company's strategic development, including the rollout of LiveJournal globally. Previously, he was the co-founder and CEO of Quantum Art, a content management software provider, and a co-founder of Merchantry, a New York-based provider of online marketplace infrastructure acquired by TradeShift. Edward has served on the boards of directors of numerous successful companies, including TradeShift, Delivery Hero, Plated, Domo, and others. He started his career as an industry analyst at Silicon Valley Bank and is a graduate of UC Berkeley. Edward, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I'd like to welcome you. Alex, uh, thank you very much for having me here. I'm uh, very excited to be on the show. I've listened to a number of episodes with um, many of my colleagues and glad you took the time to speak. Excellent. We're glad to have you here. Edward, tell us a little bit about your background. I was born in Russia. We're actually in the Soviet Union. And then uh, my parents emigrated in the 90s, uh, actually in 1990, before the Soviet Union collapsed. I uh, grew up in California. And um, I um, I had a math background. I was a um, math whiz uh, when I was a child and uh, was always a sucker for problem solving. Spent um, countless, countless hours on different puzzles. And uh, uh, I guess I just like most people, I was driven by the dopamine release and craving that you get from uh, the puzzles coming together. I think I'm uh, I'm still into solving puzzles. So that uh, uh, I guess that 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 led me to become an entrepreneur and uh, then an investor, and I've uh, straddled those worlds for more than twenty years now. Uh, at first, I uh, I worked on smaller problems. I uh, started my first company almost uh, right off, out of college in late 90s. It was an internet software business. Uh, ultimately, not a huge success, but it helped me realize that uh, I need to learn more about the space. I joined uh, Silicon Valley Bank and became its first internet analyst. Then um, started another internet software company, which did better. Uh, we were making content management solutions and had two markets. Uh, first was uh, local government, which needed applications uh, for communicating with different constituencies from tax assessment and collection to payment of parking tickets. And uh, the second company, um, the second part of that company was uh, e-commerce product management. And we became super skilled in that space and ultimately partnered with Amazon to build a few applications uh, for their newly formed marketplace business. And uh, through that, I learned a lot about the food market because that was one of the categories we launched together. Uh, that company uh, is called Merchantry or was called Merchantry. It was acquired by TradeShift, which is a San Francisco-based electronic invoicing and supply chain giant. And it's still a part of their procurement platform. Uh, in... Uh, um, there were a few other adventures, uh, and then in uh, 2009, I started a venture investment company called Kite Ventures. We had this uh, 
novel idea of uh, partnering with entrepreneurs early and becoming their corp dev team and fundraising engine. And in that way, we partnered with uh, Delivery Hero, which was just a PowerPoint at the time and ultimately became uh, one of the leading food tech companies in the world. And uh, now employs 50,000 people, um, is present in over 100 countries, uh, not very well known uh, in the U.S. because they simply don't don't uh, have a business in the U.S., but uh, they are uh, sort of a started as DoorDash and then uh, expanded into uh, lots of other categories. They're probably the leading quick commerce company in the world. And... Uh, um, uh, and uh, then I, um, um, I spent a lot of time in Europe, came back to the States and settled in New York in 2012, partnered with the team at Plated, uh, where um, I led or co-led um, every round in, um, that the company had raised. Uh, had, uh, great, it was a great ride, and then the company was acquired by Albertsons. And through those experiences in um, in food tech, I learned a lot about um, uh, the food business and the uh, supply chains and uh, related problems. Like how how is meat bought at scale? How do you actually how do grocers get meat on the shelves? How does a company like uh, Plated, which was a meal kit business, uh, look at uh, its supply chains and uh, forward contracts? And uh, I realized that. Uh, it's a market of uh, like food in general is a market of uh, that that's characterized by tremendous waste, and uh, that's something that needs to be fixed. And f- for years, I've been uh, uh, thinking about uh, a way to to address this. Uh, and then, um, really, only recently, a couple of years ago, stumbled on uh, uh, synthetic biology and uh, cultivation as a platform for uh, addressing uh, the problems of climate change to, uh, c- climate change that uh, are caused by animal agriculture and uh, the inefficiencies in the uh, in our food supply chains and uh, I started looking at uh, um, various synbio companies which uh, ultimately led me to founding synonym I would like to emphasize the word that you used, platform, and we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. But I wanted to ask you, over the last decade, and, and it seemed like you got started just around the time of the dot-com boom, is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was actually uh, the, um, yes, the first company I started was in uh, 97. And um, it, was a, it was a quick ride. And then when I joined Silicon Valley Bank in uh, 98, uh, it was uh, it was really at the height of dot com boom, and uh, Silicon Valley banks is still a litmus test for me for for the performance of the industry. So, just generally speaking, the changes in the tech atmosphere since then, what have you seen? Well, uh, I I think that's a um, I, I would I would almost say that it's a different conversation. Um, obviously, the industry has become significantly larger. And um, uh, there, um, what happened in the '90s is that uh, from uh, f- from just a few companies in in Silicon Valley, and uh, um, a smaller number of uh, venture funds, this uh, industry has uh, really mushroomed into um, 
into one of the key drivers of uh, economic growth and wealth um, over the last several decades. And uh, uh, I think that uh, right now is actually a pivotal moment uh, in um, in the development of the of venture space and of Silicon Valley. Because this is a moment when Silicon Valley is starting to pay attention to the real world. For the last few decades, we were so enthused by the idea of uh, virtualizing and uh, uh, living in a digital world and, and the metaverse and uh, ultimately uh, developing the crypto economy that uh, the best minds in the world neglected large problems like um, climate change and uh, infrastructure and uh, uh, animal agriculture. And I think right now we're seeing a really big pivot uh, to, to these real world problems. And uh, I, uh, I think that's, uh, uh, that's a great change. We're still at the, in the early stages of this. Uh, I think most venture investors are still fascinated with SaaS. And uh, uh, there's been a lot of uh, wealth creation attributed to SaaS. But ultimately, I think there will be more capital over the next uh, decades going to uh, more important problems than uh, uh, determining which advertising uh, to show to a particular uh, user of a website. Love that answer and totally can imagine that this could be a, a very separate episode within itself. But coming back to Synonym, tell us about what it is at, at a high level and kind of as we get into this idea of a development platform. So at a high level, the idea behind Synonym is that in the biomanufacturing infrastructure, just like in many other asset classes, ownership and usage should be separated. Companies that are developing synthetic biology technologies or products are not specialists in the manufacturing infrastructure and they should focus their resources on refining their science and commercialization rather than um, building large-scale facilities. It's also not the right use for the venture dollars and uh, what Synonym is tackling or one of the problems that Synonym is tackling is a problem of capital efficiency. So we want to separate ownership and usage in biomanufacturing infrastructure and have the right types of capital be applied to the right types of problems. Is your team also working on developing new technologies within these facilities, or is it more of acquiring the facilities and essentially leasing them out? Is, is that a, a good way to explain it? So I, I think that um, they need to be built in the right way. Uh, there are some companies that are working on new bioreactors and uh, new downstream approaches. Uh, that will take years to develop and years to come to the market. Uh, some companies are working on new bioreactors for cultivation like uh, ARC. Uh, some are working on uh, new, better, more productive uh, precision fermentation reactors. But before they come to market and before they can be um, they can be uh, introduced uh, at very large scale, at um, half a million liter scale. These uh, facilities still need to be built, and they need to be built uh, in the way where you're uh, optimizing for power consumption and uh, water usage 
and uh, you have the right platform for waste management, where you also need to operate these facilities uh, in a in a way that um, optimizes uh, human flows inside and uh, the number of people that actually need to be in a facility. So, in a, in addition to having the right technology inside, you also need to have the right core and shell, and. Uh, that's a part of this uh, biomanufacturing infrastructure asset class. So you need to have a holistic view of uh, not only the bioreactors that you're using, but also the, how, how the whole facility comes together and uh, how it's being financed. And what, what, what is the techno-economic analysis that matches the company that wants to use that capacity and the capacity itself? So uh, we're focusing on... Uh, the design of the facility uh, with, uh, with the idea of, uh, of having the right techno-economic analysis uh, behind it. And then we would work with developers and we would work with different financial institutions, including banks, on actually financing them. But uh, we want to make sure that uh, we minimize costs and uh, minimize risks for, uh, the, for the two sides of the equation, for companies that need uh, facilities for uh, for producing things that they've been uh, making in labs, uh, and uh, financial institutions that want to deploy that capital into this new asset class. Excellent. Okay, so in in many ways, you're seeing that this there's this huge boom, similar to how there was a big boom in tech and need for databases and servers. At that time, Google's and Facebooks were building their own facilities, but when we're looking at Synbio or maybe you know cultured meat and precision fermentation. You know these companies they need actually let's say server space before they blow up, right? And so this is a way for them to access these facilities before they can start generating a larger amounts of revenue. Yes, I actually same same with data centers. There are uh, Amazon and uh, Google and Facebook actually lease lots of data center space from other companies. And uh, uh, their then data centers are a trillion dollar asset class that's uh, split across uh, many different pockets. But there are companies like uh, Equinix, uh, which is um, a very sizable publicly held business, uh, which is probably the largest player in the data center space. And uh, they've had 78 quarters of consecutive uh, Revenue growth and profitability, uh, which is which tells you about the stability of that uh, asset and uh, and the market need, and and we hope to um, build a similar type of business, maybe more capital efficient, uh, but in the uh, in the uh, biomanufacturing infrastructure space. And so, what kinds of companies would use these facilities, or what kinds of companies would work with Synonym? So we're primarily looking at um, uh, two applications across. One, one is foods, uh, precision fermented uh, proteins and lipids, and um, uh, the other one is uh, biomaterials, uh, various forms of uh, bioplastics, preservatives, surfactants, and uh, um, other uh, other stuff that will replace uh, plastics or uh, different uh, benzo compounds. What level of scale does your team get involved at? Yeah, so we, we're actually we're actually looking at um, at manufacturing. So uh, scale of uh, 
the total facility size in millions of liters. Uh, so uh, the companies that we're talking to about um, uh, about using our capacity are companies that have already uh, already tested their strains at uh, fifty thousand or a hundred thousand liter scale and uh, uh, are ready to commercialize. So we uh, at this point we're not providing um, uh, pilot scale capacity or demo scale capacity. Uh, we want to help companies really scale and commercialize. And we um, we recently launched this um, uh, online database, uh, a directory of uh, all available pilot and demo capacity, uh, just to show that there's not enough capacity in the world. And um, uh, it's called, it's at capacitor.by. I'm, uh, I mean, probably doing your uh, research before this call, you've seen it. <laughs> Um, and uh, it has been um, of tremendous help to many companies. We're, we're getting love letters from the industry uh, about um, this uh, database because it's not something that has existed before. And we want to show that there should be more dots on the map. Uh, there's not enough capacity for this industry. There's been uh, 15 billion invested in SynBio uh, over the last decade. And... Uh, there are very few companies that are producing at scale. Uh, this needs to change. And definitely for those listening, we'll put the link in the show notes for Capacitor. And I think for me, what even was a little bit more direct and, and to the point was a, a small graphic on the synonym.bio website is that there's this graphic that says existing supply, tens of millions of liters, and then future demand, tens of billions of liters, right? And, and I think I was talking to, I think it was Paul Shapiro, and he had mentioned that if you took all of the bioreactors that are uh, operating today and you use them for alternative protein production, you still wouldn't even reach 1% of demand. And so I think that little graphic there is definitely something that really highlights the need for, for something like this. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, we will need a lot more capacity. And uh, that graphic is probably, it, it, that graphic is, uh, I think, the need for capacity by 2030. And imagine how far it will go from there. When we think about approaching that challenge and, and building something that perhaps we haven't established yet, a lot of these facilities are much smaller. How do you envision that your team will actually grow, right? Even now, we, we do see that lead times for even just getting smaller tanks is quite difficult. So I guess the question is, is it something that you believe will require more innovation or is it just a matter of getting it done? I think there's a lot of innovation that uh, goes into actually designing these facilities. So overall, I, I would say that the design and the reusability of biomanufacturing infrastructure will be one of the key factors in uh, driving the growth and success of the industry. As the demand for biomanufactured good conti goods continues to rise, uh, these facilities will need to be flexible and efficient and uh, sustainable. And uh, capturing all three is uh, capturing all three requires uh, a lot of innovation. So the innovation may not be uh, just in the bioreactor design or downstream design, but in how these facilities are organized. Uh, 
what power you're using and uh, how uh, and where that power is located, uh, how much water uh, is uh, actually being uh, driven through the facility and what happens to that water. Things like um, better air compressors that, uh, that we need for pushing air uh, into the bioreactors. So there, there's a lot of innovation that needs to happen. It's a complex uh, product. It's like, um, it's, it's not that different from uh, uh, making a spaceship. Um, it, we, we need the best minds in the world working on, uh, uh, on, on designing these facilities. And um, uh, our team will grow in terms of uh, uh, engineering talent. When we're looking for mechanical and industrial and structural engineers to take on this challenge, uh, in addition to bioprocessing engineers, obviously, uh, we, uh, we need to understand how to best develop these facilities and uh, what the relationships with uh, uh, equipment procurement construction companies should be. Uh, how, do, how do you actually streamline the supply chain and um, uh, make it most resilient so uh, that we shorten the lead times for key components? And, um, uh, and then equally important is this uh, uh, techno-economic analysis and underwriting uh, the facilities for the right customers in the right place and uh, minimizing risk for third-party investors that need to come in that ultimately should be the owners of these facilities. Uh, the whole thesis uh, behind Synonym, our, our core belief, is that uh, we need to separate ownership from usage in uh, biomanufacturing infrastructure. In order for the industry to scale, uh, companies that are working on precision fermentation or cultivation uh, should not be building their own facilities. They should not be designing them. It's not their core expertise. They should use the venture dollars that they raise for the specific purpose of uh, refining their signs and uh, uh, and commercializing their uh, uh, their products, uh, not for not not in developing uh, the expertise and building facilities, and we want to develop that expertise. I love that, and I think for me that hits the nail on the head uh, on the whole entire financing aspect of it, and I think it definitely makes sense, and it's a need that. You even said it yourself, we're going to get to a point where we're, we're going to need this capacity very fast. And the way we're going about it now, we're not going to get there. I absolutely agree. I mean, you're preaching to the converted. I wanted to ask you, for those that are listening in the audience that are either working as researchers or in academia, or maybe thinking about starting a startup in either the, the future food or biomaterials space, what advice do you have for them? Well, I, I think that uh, we're working on uh, very important problems. And we, we certainly need uh, the best minds in the world focusing on uh, the bioeconomy because it holds tremendous promise, uh, both for the world and uh, for the individuals that uh, dedicate their lives to it. I think that I, I've been um, reflecting a lot, uh, given the recent um, events with FTX. I've been reflecting a lot on um, why things like that uh, happen. And, uh, uh, and Theranos is, a, is also a good example of, um, uh, of this. But we, we live in a world where um, winning is an important factor for defining success. And 
we like winning. We we get uh, dopamine release from that. Um, I like winning. Everyone does. Uh, we like solving puzzles. We like when these puzzles come together. But um, winning and success uh, don't always um, go hand in hand. I, I think they, what I should say really is that they don't always equal each other. Uh, winning an argument may not bode well for having a successful relationship, both at home and at work. Uh, if you're building a team, whether it's a football team or a, or a group of uh, colleagues that are working on new bioproducts, success is uh, not a single person winning, not even the team taking the first place. I think that success is uh, team cohesion with um, optimal performance over many seasons. And uh, as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a, as a CEO of the company, I think my, my job is to um, formulate the vision and be the curator of, uh, uh, of, of the company's vision, to make sure that the company is uh, well-financed, uh, that um, we are able to bring the right people to the table, and uh, that there's uh, that cohesion among the team, that there's transparency and clarity, that uh, communications are um, uh, have the highest level of fidelity, and uh, uh, and that by itself uh, holds people accountable, um, not just to the company but to each other, and I think that um, that for me would be the definition of success for any entrepreneur. It's uh, creating teams with uh, the highest level of cohesion. Because if you have the right team going after uh, a large market that's ready for, for innovation, that team will succeed. I like that and very inspiring words for those that are listening. Edward, thank you so much for being on the show. You could get in touch with Edward on LinkedIn and learn more about Synonym at synonym.bio. Edward, do you have any last insights for our listeners today? I, I uh, would suggest uh, we all spend more time thinking about uh, bioeconomy. In broader terms than uh, just cultivated meat or just precision fermentation, uh, in broader terms than just food, uh, or materials. All these things are tied. And um, ultimately, we want to live in the world uh, that is uh, defined by sustainability. And uh, the more we can do to further that, uh, the more thankful the next generations will be to us. Thank you so much. This is your host, Alex. Edward, I want to say thank you again for being on the show. Thank you very much, Alex. It's been an absolute pleasure. We look forward to seeing everyone on the next episode. This program was produced by H Media. See you soon.